Drone Talks is an online platform to spread ideas and to educate in the drone ecosystem. At Drone Talks, we discuss technology, regulatory, business, and ecosystem topics openly with industry leaders to enable and foster innovation for a better future. Welcome everyone. My name is uh, Lorenzo Murzilli. I am the founder of Murzilli Consulting and the co-founder of Drone Talks. And uh, today with me, I have uh, Sweden Rangelov, uh, the, the CEO of Dronami. How, how, hi, Sweden. Hi, Lorenzo. Great to be here. And uh, I said in the past, and I keep saying it, uh, having you know guests such as yourself, it's always very difficult to introduce you know uh, people with your background and your you know wealth of experience. So can you please introduce yourself and you know tell us your story and what brought you here? My name is Svilen. I'm the co-founder and CEO of uh, Dronamics, a company that uh, started with my brother, who's an aerospace engineer, uh, back in 2014. And my background is as an uh, I studied economics in the U.S. And then uh, worked on a variety of uh, fields like marketing and finance. And essentially, when we saw the Amazon drones uh, with my brother, who's an aerospace engineer, decided to that we will be essentially, you know, he can bring in the technical talent and I can bring in uh, the rest. We are now a team of more than 100 people uh, and we're really excited to be part of uh, the drone ecosystem. I guess some of our viewers probably know the company. You have been, uh, I've seen in the news quite a bit these days. But, you know, if you can introduce the company to those who don't know you, what is your mission? What are the ambitions and, uh, you know, why Dronamics? Our mission is to enable same day shipping for everyone everywhere. We do this with drones and uh, essentially we are building a, we're starting with a middle mile solution for cargo. So uh, a large fixed wing uh, UAV, we call it the Black Swan because it needs to be, um, it needs to remind us of the very ambitious goal we've set, which is to be a lower cost to produce and lower cost to operate than existing technology, which in general is very difficult to achieve with new technology. A single engine propeller driven aircraft, uh, we use a Rotax engine, so we use a conventional engine. In front, uh, our wingspan is 16 meters, fuselage is about eight meters. We uh, can carry 350 kilograms and fly with them up to 2,500 kilometers of distance. Thanks. And you mentioned the uh, middle mile cargo delivery. And, uh, you know, can you can you expand a bit on that? I think uh, for those in the delivery world, this kind of makes sense. But for the rest of us, like, what is actually middle mile cargo delivery? And how does it fit in the overall delivery and logistics equation? If I were to send you uh, something uh, let's say a computer mouse, you know, uh, the, there would be a courier that will come knock on my door, pick up the mouse, uh, put it in the back of his uh, minivan, then they'll go and unload that into a city sort of distribution center. From there on, it will be either on a truck or an airplane all the way over to you from Bulgaria to Switzerland. That journey between my city and your city, that's essentially the the middle mile because the courier the journey from the edge of your city the distribution center to your home is last mile and and, and that's where most drone technology has been focusing on vertical takeoff um, enabled technology really focuses on the ability to land right in your front yard we um, we're concerned rather connecting our two cities so we can trade better now i, I also picture better uh... Your announcement back in July of uh, last year, 2021, right? you had an announcement about the 
partnership with the logistics giant DHL, right? Uh, exactly to do this mobile mile drone delivery. And uh, I, I read, if I'm not wrong, that you had an agreement for over connecting over 40 airports in uh, 13 countries around Europe, right? So can you tell us a bit about that? Not not the secrets, but just, you know, what's that about? It seems pretty cool. Um, we don't sell the airplanes. We we actually operate as a service. So our customers like DHL or Hellman, which is another top 10 uh, logistics company worldwide, they, they, they buy capacity on us the, the same way that they would buy it from, let's say, from Lufthansa. For us, however, to... Uh, it, to, to, to enable this to happen, uh, we have to also be present at all these cities and all these locations. And we start with commercial airports. So that's why it was important to, to establish and, and, and grow that drone port network. So those agreements with those, um, it's actually, we'll be announcing several more soon. We're very critical to just establishing the customer's minds where we could operate for them. and. On the back end, essentially, the customer pays for a piece of cargo to be transported from a certain route. On the back end, we we do not just the airplanes development, but also the operation and the operation on the ground. So we deploy standardized ground control stations. You know, all the cameras, antennas. Um, you need to to be able to pilot these from the ground. So, so in essence, if if you want to. Uh, link your city, you need to have such an entry point in your city to our network. The good thing is, because the crew doesn't fly with the airplane itself, this gateway is truly a gateway to all the other gateways, because then we can just move the assets where the demand is. Fantastic, thanks. And just a curiosity, you mentioned the, you know, you have started with the, you know, somehow conventional airports, like I guess, and uh, you mentioned some deploying assets and I'm just trying to figure out how do you integrate uh, with uh, what's already there, right? Are you planning on later on develop your own, let's say, drone ports or things like that? Or you're literally wanting to operate from the existing airports more in an integrated fashion, let's say, with, with main aviation, for example? If you, if you look at the, the capacity constraints at airports, let's say in Europe, but it's kind of like that everywhere. They, they follow a power low curve. So there's one uh, big airport that typically consumes, you know, a huge percent of the, 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 the movements from that city. And then everyone who's on the second tier or, or third tier, they, they barely get any activity. So what it means is you have these runways, which are out there. You have the staff, which is out there but they're barely getting any use utilization. We are not signing up Heathrow. We're, we're going to uh, this cargo specific and uh, and actually the cargo industry itself has, has, a, has figured that out and is already, you know, for example, Liège Airport, like Brussels is a big hub, but, but Liège grew to be uh, a cargo hub uh, precisely because there, were, there wasn't that much passenger traffic or uh, at all. And now they're the, the, the main hub for Alibaba in Europe. So that, those are the kind of airports uh, that we, we target. And Europe alone has more than 3,000 airports or airfields. So, so that we, even if we stuck only with existing airports, there's, uh, there's still a lot of growth remaining. But ultimately, it's all about where the end customers are. So typically, uh, most of these airports, I mean, the, most of these airfields are very, very long because they're built for big passenger airplanes. 
so they tend to be uh, a little too far out. We're starting with them, but ultimately at some point um, we can land only on 400 meters of runway. So we can we can land from a seaport uh, at the seaport. We can land at the fulfillment center, uh, parking lot, and, and so on. So airports phase one, other locations phase two. That's how we think about it. Tell me more about the, the Black Swan, the aircraft itself. I mean, I've seen the, the unveiling. It was like, what, a month ago now, back in December. All the day I've seen in, the, in, uh, in Bulgaria. It was a proper test, I guess, for, for the unveiling. But um, uh, what's special about this aircraft? Like, what do you think is going to be the one that's going to allow you to fulfill this, uh, this dream? Well, it, it looks very conventionally, but it, we put a lot of uh, work into it actually to be very, very optimized for that one particular job. So most airplanes in history, almost all airplanes in history was always designed for humans first. We designed only for packages. Uh, not only that, but a lot of drones and um, other new vehicles, they're always designed with, well, yeah, we can do passengers, but we can do cargo, we can do surveillance, we can do all these other things. We From, the day, from day one, we said, you know what? No, we're not going to do surveillance. We're not going to do agriculture spraying. We're not going to do any of these things because you cannot, like it's so difficult to fly. You have to comply with such a strict set of constraints that the moment we start optimizing for more than one job, you kind of run away from that optimum. And and cargo is very merciless. Cargo customer doesn't care if you fly with a drone or a donkey or, you know, they, all they care about is the price and are you going to be there on time? So that's, uh, but but even if you're there on time, if the price is too high, they're not going to want it. So, uh, and, and you see that because aviation is still less than 1% of global trade, which means that 99 times out of 100, people just say, you know what? I know airplanes are great, super safe, super reliable, so on, but they're so expensive. Please don't put my package there. So that's why we needed to to make sure that every, every, every thought we put in came from that cargo first mentality. Now, as a result, the airplane became a very uh, optimized machine. So our fuel consumption is, you could say, negligible. We, if you see, we look a lot like a glider with an engine. We leveraged a lot of uh, innovations on the materials and structure side. Uh, we're made out of carbon fiber. We have some great people on our team who are, you know, world leaders in, in, in that uh, field. And yeah, it's. I think we did a great job. So even though it looks fairly conventional, it's actually multiple times better than anything that already exists. And uh, you mentioned before you're uh, you're more of an economist of, of of education. So let's talk economy of dynamics. I mean, I've seen the the IPO, the initial public offering, as well uh, in the news also a couple of uh, weeks ago. And uh, I read it was over, oversubscribed, I think, almost by four and a half, five times. So it seems like, you know, people kind of trust and believe in your dream as well. And uh, so tell me a little bit about that. What's the structure behind that EPO? What's the thinking process and, and how do you see it moving forward? We started, my brother and I, in 2014. Our first, the, the first investment we received was from a local accelerator called Eleven. They've been a big supporter of us ever since. What we were essentially pitching is is kind of a moonshot kind of an outlier so in the process uh and especially on the european venture scene i'm sorry you have to say that but <laughs> uh, and i mean no offense but people here people in europe historically they're afraid not to lose money whereas people in the us are afraid not to lose the next big opportunity so as a result we um we are 
being out of Europe, we hit it off a lot better with angel investors, people who've been through the entrepreneurial journey, you know, not, not people who just uh, chase the next software thing. Because we saw such a such a great fit, we, we then realized, you, you know what, the, there's new EU regulations, just like for drones, also for public offerings. And what we did was we didn't we didn't make our company public. We realized we can we can create a new special purpose vehicle, and we can list it on this uh, let's call it junior market created by the EU regulations. Every country can have one, and any any company on that junior market, it's specifically for SMEs, can can raise up to eight million euros. In Bulgaria, it was three million. First, what was important actually was the realization that as we make progress, you know, we also become out of reach for the retail, let's say, angels or investors, because uh, as you know, companies remain private for a much longer time. And then all these, um, all these value keeps accumulating in the same kind of pockets, whereas the pension funds, they don't really, they cannot <laughs> invest in companies until the very, very later stage or uh, until they're public. So a lot of that value generation doesn't actually go into the for the Europe's pensioners, especially in Europe, which is a very underdeveloped market. And we we realized, you know what, let's let's kind of crowdsource it. It's it's kind of like crowdfunding. This fresh entity has no other purpose than just to invest in our company, just like any other investor. So um, and then but people there could trade its shares every day. So we ourselves remain a private company. And in fact, actually, we followed the the lead here of our earliest investor, Eleven, which originated, like I said, as a, a as a private, um, privately funded uh, vehicle. But then, in 2020, just a month, like in April 2020, they they did an IPO on the Bulgarian stock exchange, and we said, you know what, we already have investors which are publicly traded in Bulgaria. Let's just open it up specifically for us, and it was. Quite a success. Uh, there were people literally lining up around the block at these brokerage houses because you need to go there in person, open an account. A lot of people we know. We did just like a week of marketing. We didn't do anything. We just did one event, and and that was it. We had uh, some great partners to help us, like law for, uh, the law firm and uh, and the, the the main broker on that. Uh, so we're quite happy. Uh, and I think it's 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 another just like for the EU drone regulations. It's another actually pleasant. EU regulation because it is a path that uh, many other startups I would totally encourage and share all my learnings about. But uh, the EU did good there to enable such a such a structure and such a vehicle to happen. So, so innovative, not only the design but also of the aircraft, but also in the way to finance a startup. I, I love that. That's uh, that's good. Exactly. It's it's about democratization. Look, we are going to bring most value not to you know Heathrow to Frankfurt. I mean, there's already traffic on that lane and so on. But we're going to make the most difference in the underserved markets. Same thing on the financial market. Now, the interesting thing is if you buy a share of that SPV today and you keep it until we become public one day, then that's kind of your only way to participate in our future IPO after a few years as a retail investor, which I think is quite exciting because typically people from you know Eastern Europe, they don't get to participate in any IPO on the Nasdaq or anywhere. So. Uh, it's through democratization, and we uh, we're quite proud that we were able to to find a way to do that. And I mean, last questions, we ask all everybody the same: is kind of what's next on the horizon? Like you have done all of this, the IPO is now behind you. The aircraft has been unveiled. You have some partnership uh, already signed up. Big players here in Europe. 
So what, what's coming 2022, 2023 and beyond? It's like day one, uh, as Amazon <laughs> likes to say, because uh, yeah, we work very hard and um, now we have a product. We're, we're going to be uh, doing the, the flight test program. We're going to start first commercial flights this year, and then we're going to scale up uh, over the next couple of years, all these operations. So we, we really um, feel like it's just the dawn of, uh, of our business. Thank you very much for your time. It was really, it was really a pleasure. And I guess it was uh, a trust, actually. It was very interesting for our viewers as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lorenzo. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Drone Talks Online, a platform designed to spread ideas and educate in the drone ecosystem. Search for dronetalks.online to hear from more of our industry leaders and to find out how you can get involved.